Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 131, Turkey Season Questions and Answers. And I am your host, and the guy who this past week had a swing and a miss. So I broke my mid-season lull, my dry spell got rained on, and I told you last week that I found a turkey that was gobbling on one of my pieces of hunting property, and that I was going after him, and I did, and I found him, and he found me. Now, this bird is on a piece of property that borders public land, and It's a 171-acre parcel, but it borders a national forest, which is tens of thousands of acres of public land. And this bird, there is no question in my mind, has played the game before, several times on public land, because I called him into a food plot, and I was not set up. I was actually not expecting him to come into the food plot when he did. And he walked into the food plot. He took about five steps into the field, looked at me, thought, uh, yeah, maybe not. Took a quarter of a turn away from me, took a quarter of a turn back to me. And I thought, okay, well, he's about to go into strut. He stops, looks my direction and made up his mind that it wasn't worth the risk. He putted two times and ran. I'm not talking turned and walked nervously and quickly away. He ran full speed the five steps off the field, and I shot just to make some noise, just to make sure that I scared him good enough. So, you know, I was not real happy about the miss. I was really more unhappy about the fact that I didn't go ahead and get set up. I was going to try to make one more move into the edge of the food plot. And I was actually waiting on him to gobble and let me know that he was still where he had been. But instead, he was not. He was where I wanted him to go. So, you know, there's about four or five things that I could have done differently in that hunt 
that could have turned it around and made it successful. One of them was being patient enough to let him kind of tell me what my next step needed to be, but I thought that I knew what my next step needed to be. I wanted to be sitting down on the edge of that food plot, and I probably could have been had I moved a little quicker. The other thing I could have done differently is instead of going directly to the food plot, I could have come into the other side of the food plot, actually have crawled pretty much up to the edge of it because of the terrain and the bushes, the briars and the honeysuckle that were growing along the edge of the field and called to him from there. Another thing I could have done differently, as soon as I saw him, I could have started to slowly move the gun up, but instead I thought that I was hidden well enough just being over on the edge of the road, tucked away in a few bushes, but it was like someone was standing up behind me waving their arms and screaming at him. That joker took off as fast as I've ever seen a turkey take off. It was crazy. So, The only good news from that hunt is that he lives for me to hunt him again. And as much of a hard time as I've had finding turkeys on my hunting properties, I'll take one, even if he's been shot at and might be a little bit more call shy. Speaking of call shy, I'm going to touch on that a little bit in today's episode. But before I do, we are four days 22 hours, 1 minute and 40 seconds away from the end of spring turkey season in Alabama. And of those four days left in Alabama, I'm skipping town. I may hunt one more day in Alabama and that's it. So Cameron and I are actually headed to North Carolina to hunt there for a few days. And I'm pretty excited about that. It'll be a good time but I'm probably more excited about getting away from these Alabama turkeys. I'm not saying North Carolina turkeys are any easier, but these Alabama birds have flat whipped my rear end this year. I have not even sat down on very many birds to even have a hunt, and that's frustrating. But I kept going out, and I will continue to go out, and I will continue to chase turkeys because tomorrow is the day. Tomorrow may not be the day in Alabama, but tomorrow is the day. So, as I mentioned, I'm skipping town, so the intro to today's show is going to be very brief, but here's what we're doing. I told you guys last week that I get a lot of questions from you guys once season starts and that I was going to do a special premium content episode. Well, I decided, because I've got some really good questions, that I want to go ahead and answer some of these questions in a regular weekly episode because I feel like some of you guys out there listening to this probably have the same exact questions running through your mind or you've been faced with these scenarios and you might need a little help getting through them. So we're going to jump right into this. Okay, first up is Devin Buckner. And Devin messaged me on Facebook And he said, Andy, I'm new to your podcast, but I'm addicted. I can't get enough. I love turkey hunting and anything to help me or anyone I know that can improve my turkey hunting knowledge. With that being said, I haven't listened to all the podcasts yet, so I don't know if you've had an expert yet on the subject of understanding turkey talk and what it all means. 
Why I am bringing that up is that I saw a video of a professional hunter, not naming any names, but he gave a tip I felt was false. It goes against everything I've ever been told or heard for myself. He claims that a cluck and a purr is the worst call to use in the turkey woods. His comparison to that is of a doe standing there blowing because she caught your wind or smelled your scent. What is your opinion on that? Well, Devin, man, that's the first time I've ever heard that in my life. A purr for a wild turkey is a call of contentment. That means that everything is perfect in that turkey's world. Turkeys purr probably 90% of the time. And I think that it's a faint purr that we probably can't hear, even if they're 10 yards away from us. I think it's just a noise that they make to communicate with each other. And it's kind of that all clear sign for the turkeys. A cluck is more or less a locator call, but turkeys do purr and cluck. Turkeys will often cluck as they walk through the woods to try to locate other turkeys. So, my opinion on whether or not a purr and a cluck is the worst call to use is absolutely not. I have killed turkeys by just making a cluck and had them come almost running in. And if you have a hen coming to your setup and she's acting a little nervous and you purr at her, that does wonders to calm her down. So I'm not sure who that professional hunter was that gave that terrible advice, but don't listen to it. Next up, Dan Patterson emailed and said, I'm still new to turkey hunting. I've been after it for three years. Last year, I finally actually saw birds in the woods. It's nice to have those small victories, isn't it, Dan? I still have never heard them. I hunt public land in Indiana. One turkey I saw was a giant T-Rex of a tom. When I saw him, I was driving and he was crossing the road. He disappeared within about five seconds. So my question is this. Do they keep to the same area year after year and keep an annual pattern? Should I go to where I saw that turkey and expect him to be anywhere in that area? Thanks for any help or advice you can offer. I appreciate your podcast. Dan, all things being equal to last season, that turkey should be in the same area. Now, all things being equal is likely, but not very likely. So if there's been any kind of a change to habitat, whether there's been some clear cutting nearby or even select cutting of timber nearby, or there's been a fire nearby, or there's been, and don't laugh because it happens, a strip center or an apartment complex built nearby, any kind of a change in habitat, or if a bigger, badder bird is now in the area. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that that bigger, badder bird had to move into the area, but what it could mean is that the bird that you saw may be on his way down. He may not be as big and able to bully the other birds around like he did last year. And that three-year-old bird that was in the area last year that was getting bullied by this bird that you saw is now four years old, and maybe he's the dominant bird in the area and has run this other bird off. That's a possibility. 
someone may have killed that turkey in the fall season or already in the spring season. Or that bird may have died of natural causes or gotten hit by a car or snacked on by a coyote or a bobcat. That's not very likely unless he got sick. Oh yeah, he could have gotten sick, but I guess that is a natural cause, isn't it? So there's a chance that that bird is still in the area, but just like we need to be doing all the time before every single season, we need to be doing our scouting. And that will help to tell us if there's still birds in the area and if that T-Rex of a Tom is still in the area as well. Okay, next up is not really a question, but it's an email that is just too good not to read. And now I'm going to protect the name of the sender of this email, even though he may not mind me reading the email and his name on the show, but I don't want to tick him off. So we'll call him Alex. So Alex says, Andy, I am what you call a binge listener to your show, but now I am hooked and try to listen to every show. This past weekend, I called in my first gobbler and I rushed the shot at 45 steps. I made every mistake possible that you and your guests talk about. I'm hunting in Bienville Parish, located in north central Louisiana. The terrain is different age pine plantations with hardwood streams that run between them. Pretty good habitat. This past weekend, as I'm walking and calling mid-morning around 10.30 a.m. on a fire break between the pines and the hardwood bottom, I have a gobbler cut me off. I was at a spot on the fire break that led up to a 90-degree turn to the left. I go ahead and set the decoy up in the middle of the fire break and, in a panic-slash-hurry, sat down directly behind the decoy at 25 yards. I called again, and he cut me off and was close. I knew not to overcall and let him seek me out. At this point, I quit calling and then looked up as he walked around the corner of the break. Perfect profile of him. Beard hanging, and I vividly remember the white head. I thought to myself, what the is that? I did not know what it meant until I listened to Vanderpool this morning talk about the sexual arousal of the turkey. Well, as soon as he saw the decoy, he stopped dead in his tracks, lowered his head, and turned around. Again, Vanderpool said decoys in the woods would spook turkeys. At this point, I was not sure if the turkey saw me directly behind the decoy or not. I thought he was going to walk away because I did not know what the turkey body language means. Another rookie mistake. So as soon as he raised that head again, I pulled the trigger. I missed, or looked like, hit low and forward because all I saw was feathers puffing out. Whatever I did, the turkey had no problem flying away and out of my life forever. It still haunts me in my dreams. This all happened in about 10 minutes or less. So, to recap mistakes, I did not take the time to find a good initial place to set up, used a decoy in the woods, had no idea of body language, and the worst, not mentioned yet, I never patterned my gun. I never thought it really mattered. That is until I had the turkey in front of me. Turns out my pattern at 45 steps is low and left. And he says, but it sure was fun. Thanks for a great show. I'm no longer a binge listener, but a regular listener. So listening to the show regularly can help cut down on some of those mistakes that we make. But I'm going to tell you, I do this show every single week. I still make mistakes. So Alex, don't worry about the mistakes. 
that you made, learn from them, that hunt is probably still going to give you nightmares, even five or ten years from now. (laughs) Trust me on that one, I know. But you've learned the lessons and you got to move forward. I've got to tell you guys who are listening to the show that think that your gun shoots exactly where it's supposed to shoot because you shoot doves with it or you shoot ducks with it or geese or whatever it is that you happen to shoot with that gun. When you take that choke out that you're using to shoot other game and you put a different choke in that gun, it very well can shoot in a different location than it does with your bird hunting choke in it. Pattern and sight in your shotgun. There really is no reason not to do that. All right. Next up is Donnie Carroll. Donnie emailed and said, Confusion on opening day. Hi, Andy. I've been a fan of the podcast recently. I've been hunting for 21 years. However, yesterday was opening day of turkey season in Kentucky, and I had something strange happen to me and need advice. For starters, we had gobblers all around us. There were four on our hunting property, so we broke into two groups and parted ways. After settling down to our setup, the gobblers pitched down and went the opposite way. Typical, right? Yep, it is. No big deal. Wait them out. After two hours, we were convinced something went on. So slowly, we regrouped and moved on quietly, glassing as we moved. I'm going to read that again because I want you guys to hear that. Donnie's been turkey hunting for 21 years, and this is important. We can all learn from this. He said, so slowly we regrouped and moved on quietly, glassing as we moved. What that tells me, and it's a term we use very loosely, is that Donnie was hunting. All right, I'm moving on. About 300 yards through the woods, we struck up a gobble in the edge of a field. My uncle made a suggestion to close the distance As we did, more gobblers showed up. Soon, all the gobblers except two ended up in the field and were coming in after aggressive calling. Three had circled around me and my brother, and he shot at one, missing it. I never stopped calling, and they slowly went back over the hill. Now it's day two, and there's no gobbling at all. Keep in mind, these are all mature birds. Do you think they just got educated, and what strategy do we need now? Donnie, I think that's something that We've either all experienced or will experience. And no, I don't think that those birds were spooked or educated. You were calling as they were walking off and they walked off slowly. So they were spooked at the time. All they know is that they heard a hen calling. They were coming into it. They heard a loud noise. It made them uncomfortable and they left. They're not going away forever. Those birds are likely there and they're henned up. Or it could be that day number two is just not a good gobbling day. And that happens. So my recommendation is get back to that field. Put out a feeding hen decoy with a jake or a strutting jake and be patient with them. Donnie, since you're hunting private property, those turkeys are so much less likely to get spooked or become call shy than birds on public property that are being called to every day and bust hunters walking through the woods every single day. So just get in there after those birds, and good luck with them. Next up is John. So my buddy John Barone 
emailed me and said, Hey Andy, been a while since we chatted. Sounds like your turkey season is going well as of last week. Hope it continues. I have a question that you may be able to answer. I'm heading this spring to West Virginia, looking at a few regions considering the Monongahela, no decision made yet on that, and Maryland, focusing on a couple of western counties of the state, looking at state lands to hunt. Of course, any info you would like to share would be appreciated. But specifically, I believe you ran into some hard times in one or both of those states. Just curious if you can pass on some pointers of what to avoid if that was the case. So, John, I did run into problems in Maryland and West Virginia. My biggest problem in West Virginia is that my hands were tied by the outfitter that we were hunting with. So, we were limited to hunting probably about 80 acres of what he claimed to have had was about 2,000 acres. And what I really think that he had was about 200 acres. That was our biggest problem in West Virginia. We were sold a bill of goods that I don't think the outfitter could deliver. There are a bunch of birds in West Virginia right now. So go to West Virginia, make sure you call the biologist in the areas that you're looking at going, and ask them all kinds of questions. What the hatch has been like the past few years, tell them you're from out of state, and that you are on a quest to kill a turkey in every state that has turkeys, and that you could use their help. If they know that you're not a local, and that you're not likely to hunt there day in, day out, or come back and hunt every weekend for a solid month, they're probably more likely to share information with you. Also, call the game wardens or conservation officers in those areas and get information from them as well. Regarding Maryland, we saw a lot of turkeys in Maryland. Well, we saw a lot of turkeys in West Virginia too, but we saw a lot of turkeys in Maryland, but we were hunting very small parcels of land, and they had a lot of fields on them, a lot of ag fields, and it just was very difficult to get around on those properties because of the amount of fields. So I don't really know that I have much advice for you on Maryland. They do have a lot of turkeys right now as well. If you're going to be looking at hunting state land, the western area of the state I don't think is as populated as heavily with turkeys as the eastern area of the state, but I could be wrong about that. That's something that you might want to ask a biologist in the area as well. Don't hesitate to go to either of those states and have confidence that you can kill a bird there. You can do it. We just had a little string of bad luck and made a bad decision and chose the wrong outfitter to go with in West Virginia. So good luck to you, John. Be careful in your travels and don't forget to send me some pictures after you bag a bird in West Virginia and in Maryland. Okay, next is Darren Gresham. And Darren emailed and said, Trouble getting a tom onto my property. Hi, Andy. First of all, I love the podcast. My question concerns hunting a specific gobbler on a small track of land that I live on in North Texas. I have a 60-acre farm that I live on, and I have a tom I have been seeing and hearing about 500 yards across my neighbor's field. He comes out of the woodline on the other side of a large horse pasture almost every evening. And I figured out it's a strut zone that he just loves. The problem is I cannot get permission to hunt it. I was able to call him in within 200 yards yesterday before he got hung up and would do nothing but gobble and strut. Then I had two jakes come into my decoy setup and he moved back out to over 400 yards away. 
The Jakes were not gobbling or strutting. I've also had him do the same thing in the same spot when no Jakes were there and I had no decoys out. I assume he's wanting me to come to him, which wouldn't be as bad if I had permission to hunt that property. Do you have any suggestions on what I can try to do to get him to move that last couple hundred yards to get to me? Should I gobble at him? I do have four other properties I can hunt, but this bird has me fired up enough that I just want to hunt him. So, hey, if you want to hear the answer to Darren's question about what he can do to get that bird to him, then you need to subscribe to the premium content for the Turkey Hunter podcast. So how do you do that? It's very easy. If you will text the word Turkey Hunter, I know it's two words, but make it one word, no spaces, Turkey Hunter. Text it to the number 44222. That's 44222. What will happen from there is I will text you back and ask you to reply with your email address only. Once you do that and you send that reply, I'm going to email you a link that you can go to and subscribe to the premium content for the show. Once you subscribe, you will create a username and a password, and then you'll use that username and password in your Podbean app on your mobile device or on the Podbean website if you're listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast on your computer. And the premium content should show up in your feed for the show. If it doesn't, I've heard from one or two of you guys saying that it's taken a day or two to show up in the feed. So just keep an eye on it. And by subscribing to the show, you'll have access to all of the premium content for the next 52 weeks that we do and all of the premium content that we've done in the past as well. So text the word Turkey Hunter to 44222. Follow directions from there and subscribe for premium content and get to hear the answer to Darren's question as well as the answers to a couple of other questions that I'm only going to answer on the premium content. So this is the end of today's free episode. But before we go, if you've gotten any benefit, if you've learned anything from today's show, if you would do me one favor, one little bitty favor, if you would go to Twitter, go to Facebook, and retweet the link for today's episode, and also on Facebook, if you will share the link to this week's episode on your Facebook feed so that all of your friends can listen to the free content, I would be very appreciative of that. It's a huge help, and it's a good way to give back to the show, and I much appreciate that. So that's all that I've got for you guys this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. 
We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.